Unique, expensive, sticky, air. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer, and how to keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Happy Tuesday. I hope you guys are pumped uh, for today's podcast slash video. Um, I've been looking forward to this one for a little bit, and uh, if I sound a little bit stuffed up, it's because I have two massive tubes that are like four inches long in each of my nostrils, uh, but that was no reason to not give you guys some sick stuff uh, for business stuff, and this is mostly just for me too. So uh, anyways, buckle up, hope you enjoy. So today what I want to talk about is the perfect business, and so believe it or not, this is actually something I talk a lot about, um, not as much publicly, but what I, like, if, if, if we were to ever talk in person and talk, talk shop about business... I, I love talking about business models. I love talking about uh, just monetization structures in general, uh, writing a book specifically about monetization structures. Uh, so really excited about it. But uh, I just recently finished uh, Berkshire Hathaway University, which is basically uh, 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 the consolidated 30 years of shareholder uh, that the Warren Buffett and Charlie Bugger, the, the, you know, the co-founders, co-chairmans, et cetera, of, of Berkshire Hathaway, uh, they do these yearly shareholder events, and these guys are both billionaires. Now they're both in their high 90s, which is crazy. They've been investing for 50 plus years, investing for 50 plus years, and they've built a you know kajillion dollar empire. Uh, I think as of today, it's worth half a trillion, um, which is just nuts. Their return on capital was two million percent. So when they started, or they when they acquired Berkshire Hathaway, which was a publicly traded company at the time, was a textile company. They uh, the stock was 19 dollars, I believe. Actually, no, they offered to buy Warren Buffett out at $11.30, um, or $11.50. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, is that it was it was between 11 and $20, right? And at this point, that same stock is worth $377,000. All right, so that's a that's a 20,000 X return. So if you, so his aunt put $10,000 in, it's now worth 200 million. All right, that's how crazy this is. And over, you know, 30 years of shareholder things, there's many times where he gives little nuggets of wisdom of what he's looking at uh, when he's buying a business or what he what he believes to be valuable businesses. And uh, I was really, it was cool for me because uh, I have always had three main things that I look for in businesses. And in reading his book uh, or the book that was about his shareholder meetings, I added two, uh, two to that list. And so I wanted to share those with you today. All right. And uh, the moniker that I have had for this is I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you is unique, expensive, sticky, air. And I said there's five, but there's four words here. And that's okay because I'm gonna show the last one in a second. Um, but unique, expensive, sticky air. So what I'm looking for, like in my mind, of what a perfect business is, it's unique, expensive, sticky air. And I'm explaining each one of these. So unique is something, uh, and, and I'll, I'll even tell you one of the things that he said in, in his shareholder meeting that I found really just, it was just so, it was so short and so like packed that I loved it. Um, he said, in response to what is an ideal business in one of the, one of the meetings, he said, uh, something that costs a penny, sells for a buck, and is habit forming. And it was so succinct. It's so great. And, and reading some of the other stuff, he's got other other things. But that one was three of the five in three sentences, right? Some of the cost a penny, sells for a dollar, and is habit forming. And I just like it was, it's it's just so great. All right. So let's let's break this down. So something that costs a penny. So that would be like air. Something that costs you almost nothing to make. All right. 
it's expensive, meaning you could sell it for a dollar. So it costs you a penny. You could sell it for a dollar. And it's sticky. It's habit forming. People come back and keep buying it again and again and again, right? Which means very long lifetime values. All right. That's that's what he's looking at initially. Now, the the unique part is something that if you if you listen to some of his other stuff, is he likes to have big competitive moats. All right. So what's something that's you know, what's how can I find air for a penny, sell it for a dollar, that people come back and want to keep breathing, and no one else can sell it. So it's unique air. Right, it's not air that anyone can sell. It's specific to the to. It has a brand behind it that no one can copy. Uh, it has share of mind. He talks about that a lot. Uh, like Geico, everyone here probably knows. Like you can save fifty percent or more by switching to Geico. You've heard that uh, because he ten x their advertising budget as soon as he bought the whole thing, uh, and just had them go on a massive rampage so that they could take over mindshare. And Geico has grown proportionally. And so this is four of those features, right? Unique, expensive. Sticky air, something you could make for a penny, sells for a dollar, is habit-forming that no one else can replicate. And um, for me, this is just so cool. Uh, and I'll talk about a couple of the features of this in a second. Um, you know what? I'll talk about it now. So one thing that you'll notice, and this is for all the newer entrepreneurs, or, you know, really, fuck it, any entrepreneur uh, who's interested in this kind of thing, um, Notice the gross margins he's talking about, right? A lot of people, quote, feel bad for charging for things that don't cost them much, which is a terrible mindset to have. You charge what the market will give you, right? So if, for example, uh, you you know, you know find this these widgets, like these pens, and you know that, that you get them from someplace in China that cost you a dollar, if someone's willing to give you $100 for it, do you feel bad taking it? You're like, well, if only they do. Markets are built on information advantages, information inefficiencies, meaning one person, the seller, knows more than the buyer. That's, that's how these things work a lot, right? And so um, I, I noticed this because, you know, you're, you're listening to one of the best investors of all time, if not the best investor of all time, and he looks for like 100 to 1, right? Costs a penny, sells for a dollar. 100 to 1, it costs one penny, 1% cost of goods compared to what it's being sold for. So 99% gross margins. That, for me, was actually very, very interesting. Um, is that he, he doesn't go for like an 80% or a 90%. He goes for a 99%. And for perspective, the difference between selling something uh, for a dollar that costs you 10 cents versus selling something for a dollar that costs you a penny is not that, uh, you know, it's, it's just 9% more profitable to sell something, you know, sell it for a dollar that costs a penny versus a dollar that costs a dime. It's actually 10 times more profitable. And here's, here's why I'm going to explain this. Is that for one unit of cost, the penny one could sell 10 times the amount for that one cost. So does that make sense? So if I were to sell 10 pennies worth of my cost, it means I make $10. Whereas 10 pennies worth of the other example of a dime is only $1. And that's one of the things that people don't understand about margins. Right, the gross margin of the product that you have, like every increment, when you go from when you go from ninety to ninety-five percent gross margins in a business, you double the profitability of the business. That's what's crazy. 
Hey guys, real quick, if you're new to the podcast, I have a book on Amazon called $100 million offers that over 8,000 five-star reviews and it has almost a perfect score. You can get it for 99 cents on Kindle. The reason I bring it up is that I put over a thousand hours into writing that book and it's my biggest gift to our community. So it's my very shameless way of trying to get you to like me more and ultimately make more dollars so that later on in your business career, I can potentially partner with you. So that's my give, go check it out, Amazon and back to the show. Right. And so um, that's why this is so important. And right now, if you try, for example, look at, look at your prices right now and say, um, I want to get to, if you're at 90 and you say, I want to get to 95% gross margins. Now, let's say it costs you, right? Uh, let's say it costs you $10, right? Uh, for your for your thing, right? And you sell for 100. That's 90% gross margin. So $90 is, is margin for you, $10 is cost, you sell for 100. All right. So if you wanted to get to 95%, Gross margins. What do you think you do? Would you add five dollars to be one oh five? No, that's not math. To get to ninety-five percent gross margins, you'd have to sell the same ten dollar thing for two hundred dollars. That's what people don't get about margins, right? And so what I like what I when we when we would turn gyms around and what and whatnot, I would have guys who are at sixty-six percent margins. That's usually where most people are, and that's horrible, by the way. Um, and I would say we need to get you to eighty. And they would see sixty-six to eighty, ah, only fourteen percent only 14%. You just saw me double the price from 100 to 200 to get five, right? And so that's that's how important these margins are. And so to hear this man say, I want something that I can create for a penny, sell for a dollar, that's habit forming, get people keep buying over and over again for the rest of their lives, and that no one else can buy because it's unique, right? That was pretty cool. And so these are the four kind of components of the business itself. But the last thing that Buffett talks about, and he talks about this a lot, so I'm going to draw a little dotted line here. Do, 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 is the person who is running it. All right. And he has three characteristics that I saw him repeat over and over again uh, for the management or the operators. All right. And they have such a brilliant model of managing, right? Because Berkshire only has like 19 employees or something like that. Something stupid. And they have a gazillion. They did 88 billion in profits last year. Think about that. 88 billion. They the second most profit in the entire world like a 20 person company because they're so good at abdicating responsibility, just basically delegating out uh, responsibility to the businesses that they bought. Now, he turns out a lot of deals, but what he looks for in operators, and this is why I think this is cool, is that what he looks for in operators, we can look for it ourselves. We can create that in ourselves as entrepreneurs, right? We could think, how can I embody these characteristics? All right. And so the first of these characteristics is he says, I want somebody who's risk averse. All right. Because he said many times, anything times zero is zero. He's like, you could have 30 years of a great track record and make one bet that goes to zero and lose it all. And that is why he's so risk averse. And I had a mentor who told me something once that I, that I just loved. He said, Alex, you should only have to get rich once. And for some reason, that just like, that, that hit different. You should only have to get rich once. And so... Um, and, and the smartest best in the world feels that way too. You should be risk averse. He's like, I give, I give up bigger opportunities all day long to, to cover my downside, all right? And the richest people in the world, I'm telling you this right now, if you don't have access to people who are worth 100 million, a billion, I do, and I will tell you how they think, all right? It's all about downside risk mitigation. They will give up, they will give up huge returns to not risk losing money. And the funny thing is that poor people think the exact opposite. They go for the lottery. They have basically 100% guaranteed downside, right? One in 300 million of winning, and they do it all the time, right? 
And one of the things that uh, Buffett says is like, if you if you uh, if you bet poorly small, you'll bet poorly big, uh, which I I love that too, right? So, anyways, number one management is risk averse. So if we think about ourselves. How can I be more risk averse? How can I make sure that I can't lose? Right? It's much more important to not lose than it is to win. And what's interesting is that if you don't lose long enough, you kind of win by default, which is kind of interesting. Which brings me to the second point, which is long term thinking. So the reason that they like family-owned business specifically is that families think about generations. They think about passing it down between, you know, father and son, parents and kids, right? And they like those businesses because they don't cut quarters. They think about quality. They think about long-term investment, long-term competitive strategy. They're not thinking about quarterly earnings and, you know, and basically short-term gratification, which is what most of the stock market companies are forced to do because they have to pander to, 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 to uh, stock stockholders, right? And so if you can, I've talked about this in some of my other podcasts, shifting from CEO to investor, but one of the most beneficial things that I have done for my mental health and for the success of my business is thinking in a long-term time horizon. And I can't tell you that, I'll, I'll tell you that of the, of the people that I encounter, the longer their time horizon that they talk in, the wealthier, more successful they are, invariably. So when I talk to somebody and all they're thinking about is this week and the next two weeks payroll and what they're going to make this month and last month, I already know that they don't make a ton, right? And it's because that's all they think in, right? And then and then they get from there, you get to slightly higher level entrepreneurs, they're thinking in quarters. Okay, this quarter, this quarter, we can't focus on anything. This quarter is all we got. This is all we can do, right? And that's fine because the smaller you are, the less stable you are. It's more volatile, right? But over time, as you expand those horizons, right, you'll be able to make better and better decisions because you'll start thinking, well, if I did this for five straight years, would it be reasonable that I would win? Probably, right? Uh, if I do this consistently for five years, do I think that I will? it would be unreasonable that I won't be able to be far past my, my, my goal? Probably. Right, but most people still think in these tiny chunks of time and can never get ahead. And they spend month after month after month for th for thirty years trying to become millionaires, rather than just set a goal of like, well, let me just see if I can increase my my income by twenty thousand dollars in the next year, right? And then next year after that, I'll try and increase it by another twenty thousand dollars. And they do that by you know, and in five years, you have a top one percent income, uh, but. Only 99% of people don't think that way, which is why only 1% do. So anyways, number one for the management is that they're risk averse. They, they, will take, they will take the loss. They will not take the opportunity to avoid the loss. Number two, they think of long-term horizons, right? And number three, they have unimpeachable character, which I just really like that as a word, unimpeachable character. And if you uh, if you listen to War talk about uh, about 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 losing money, he said, "If you lose money, that will be forgiven." He said, "But if you lose me a shred of reputation, I will be ruthless." And he's he's so uh, so big on this, and I think that's you know these 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 kind of three things come together. People who have unimpeachable character are not trying to get rich quick, right? They're trying to build something of value. They're trying to build something that's enduring, something that's long term. And, um, and they're honest. And so what happens though, is that when you have an impeachable character, it's actually an intangible that has compounding returns. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But he, he talks about it for his own business. He's like, the fact that our check's always clear, that we, we do what we say we're gonna do, um, allow us to get access to more deals because more people want to work with us, right? And we, do, we close deals faster. And so the thing is, is that your reputation over time becomes a competitive advantage.
And that's what a, well, I'd say unique. That's a sustainable and compounding competitive advantage because someone who's stuck with their word for 10 years compared to somebody who's stuck with their word for 30 years, whose word is worth more? The 30-year guy. Someone who's stuck with, you know, who's done everything and been unimpeachable character for 30 years compared to a guy who's done it for 60 years, who has the stronger word? The 60-year guy. It's something that if you can develop, it literally compounds with time um, and it's, and it's, in his opinion, priceless. And I think he's a very good valuer of things. And so anyways, the perfect business model uh, I'll give you a quick recap. It's unique, expensive, sticky year that's managed by somebody who's risk-averse, long-term thinking, and has unimpeachable character. All right, so something that you could create for a penny, sell for a buck, that's habit-forming, that no one else can do, and you do it in such a way that you don't take short-term risks. You think long-term in terms of how you're going to invest in the business and the legacy uh, and, and building something of value and not not obsessed with short-term volatility, but for a long-term earning. And finally, that you do it in such a way that people will think everything that this man has done has been fairly earned and wisely used. And so with that, uh, I will leave you with the perfect business. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Hope you thought it was valuable. This is one of my favorite uh, things to talk about. And uh, keep being awesome. And if you're in the arena, uh, keep getting up. I promise uh, you'll get better over time. Lots of love. I'll catch you guys soon. Bye.